0: I finished the Hunger Games trilogy today. Yeah, I, we, 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 Hunger Games, I love Hunger Games. Katniss, I want to be Katniss. Um, it's interesting. I mean, like, I felt, I, like, I, I, I raced through, I mean, if you, if you haven't read any of the Hunger Games books, the first one, like, kind of knocks you off, you know, right off your seat. And, uh, and you know, because there's really nothing that you can predict. And uh, there were times in the first book where I was literally shouting out loud while I'm reading Uh, I almost woke up my wife. Um, but, uh, you know, so then I was like, okay, I got to, you know, start the second one, but I got to hold off because everybody told me, and this was true, everybody told me if you start the second one and you get through the second one, you can't stop there. You have to keep going. Like you get to the end of book two and it's like, it's, it's so, it pushes you so much. You have to keep reading the book three. So of course I, you know, did that. And in the last week, I think I just buried the two books. Um, and, uh, so there's that. Okay. And, uh, so I'm going to lay that aside for a second. then, uh, Last weekend, uh, I saw a movie that I thought was going to be pretty cool and was... Um, but I didn't realize it was going to be as spiritual as it was. I was actually blown away by how much God there was in this film. If you haven't seen Snow White and the Huntsman yet, I, I highly encourage you to go see this see this movie, um, guys. I've taught ten week classes on seeing God in movies. Like we, um, Jay, uh, Jay, and I actually did this. We called it Real to Real, and, uh, and and it was all about seeing spiritual elements, how we see God or see specifically Jesus in film. And uh, this was one of the most spiritual movies I've ever seen. I was like, I was like, seriously? Like, I mean, just scene after scene after scene after scene. Um, In some cases, it was just blatantly right out there. In other cases, it was more undertoned. Jackie, you would like it too, because all the battle scenes were like in storms and stuff. So I know like you're just going to love the the atmospheric stuff. Um, But I, I bring those two things up to say this. Loved reading The Hunger Games. Loved reading The Hunger Games. Really exciting books. And you know, your emotions get charged and that kind of thing. And I get to the end. And as much as Suzanne Collins does a good job of finishing the book. It finished, and almost immediately, I felt empty. And yet, I walked out of a two-hour movie, and I don't like one medium over the other. I walked out of a two-hour movie feeling, like, charged, lifted, like my spirit man had, had lit up. And, uh, and it was just interesting, because I just finished that book today, and I'm thinking, wow, you know what? what the heck? You know, I get done, and I'm like, I mean, I'm just like charging through the end of book three and be like, I gotta see how this thing finishes and you just, re- you really can't expect even the finish. And I'm like, seriously? And then I get like, it's like such a great finish and then I'm done and I'm like, oh. Okay, I guess I should go back to work now. <laughs> Whereas with a movie, that clearly has the inspiration of God all over it had me like bursting. like I was like, I was, like I'm going to lead people to Jesus with this movie, okay? And it's like Snow White and the Huntsman. Like, I tell people that and they're like, seriously, Sean? Snow White. Do you know the story of Snow White? <laughs> one leaves you empty. One leaves you wanting more. And there's a distinction in those things. Because as excited as I was to read The Hunger Games, I got done and I was like, God, I admit to you, there are a lot of days where I don't, I, I don't desire to get into your word the way I was wanting to tear through those pages. And, and it made me want to get into this book and digest everything that I could because I find that every time I get into his word, every time I hear from his mouth, I have that same feeling that I get when I walked out of the movie and I was like, come on. I can take on the world now. Because there's something of life that happens. Is there truth that convicts us? Absolutely. But ultimately, all of it is love. All of it is grace. All of it is an empowering that moves us into a position where we are not only transformed, but we become agents of his transformation in the world. Somebody say amen to that. Okay. So... Before before I kind of jump into the literal scriptures tonight, um, I wanted to just kind of follow up. We had we had if you were here last month, we had an off the hook. Okay, you might say off the chain okay, uh, just service, if you can even call it that, I would call it more of an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that had literally no direction from man, um, and uh, I'm almost a little disappointed we're not doing it this time, but God, like Aslan says in, the, in, the, in Prince Caspian, uh, it never happens the same way twice, so, um, but if you were here last month, it was just, it was... Ridiculous, you know? I think you got to preach like five minutes of your message, Pastor Don, and everything, you know, it was worship and healing and testimonies. And, um, you know, Amelia gets up and basically charges us to take over the world. And, um, but I just wanted to ask real quick, you know, like and, and don't feel bashful either if this is a yay or if it's a nay, and that's fine. But um, anybody, like, does anybody have any quick testimonies they want to share of like people you prayed for and, you, and, and they got healed or, you know, like where you, you took this and you went out with it? okay, um, and you, you prayed for somebody that got healed, or whatever it is, or you, you saw God move in some way, and it's like, okay, Stink, that was awesome, okay, I'm talking short, I'm not looking for a long thing, but, you know, but um, anybody, anybody that kind of walked in that? Mm. Awesome, what do you got? Okay, awesome, the boldness to step out and actually do that, that's great, what else? Polly? There my had some back and some other in the back. So and she said the was Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Wow. She hasn't in about a month now. So That's so good. Yeah, come on. You got one, Amelia? Wow. It's good. Any others? Nate, what do you got? This is your mom? Yeah. And she was healed? Yeah. Had a boy. Come on, give it up for Nate. (laughs) Had a boy. Awesome. I love I love Nate. Okay. Yeah, you got one? Huh. <laughs> I guess, my her, and she there you go. But then at our was just, that moment, That's good. That's good. Presence of God. I love it. Um well, listen real quick like um is anybody in the room uh you know so, uh, our church is kind of um Seen some breakthroughs in uh, knee injuries, like healing for knee injuries. And so, like, is there anybody in the room that like just needs prayer for any kind of knee injury, um, or you know, maybe like maybe you've even had surgery on something and it hasn't really like has, hasn't really come back to alignment yet? I'm just like opening that up just in case. Okay, it's totally fine. But like, I'm just you know, when we see, start to see breakthrough, I just like I'm going to move in that thing and we're just going to pray for it until until we own it. Okay, until we got authority over that thing. So. Um, So our ministry in the last you know, month or so here has been, um, we've been pushing on this series called Extreme Makeover Home Edition. And, uh, and what I thought in the beginning was going to be a series about uh, translating your faith to home, and it is about that on the surface. Uh, we found in the last few weeks that uh, there's so much more about what God wants to do in our families. Besides just you going home and being nice okay, uh, and besides just you going home and cleaning up your room when you're told to, uh, and, and, and besides just, you know, the, the typical, and this, this is good because it's the word of God, but, you know, um, you know, honor your father and mother, okay? That's Ten Commandments, old school, everybody say old school, all right? And that's just Exodus chapter 20, but there's so much more, there's so much more to be known about who God is and even how his relationship between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit reflects the family unity that has to happen in any home, okay, any home, because God wants to see homes that are unified, that are whole, and, and you and I, for some reason, we have, we have accepted dysfunctional family structures as normal. We have allowed our culture if you think about it, I mean, we, we, we've grown to accept this. Like, you, you, you ever notice how when, when gas prices a few years ago started to rise higher and higher and higher and higher, and we got basically past $3, and people were like, what the heck? What? You know, like, I mean, you had news camera crews going to gas stations, and, like, people, like, red in the face, like, getting ticked off all the time, right? And then, and then the gas, like, then we hit, like, that economic downturn, and the gas prices just went, boom. Like, they were, like, below $2, and we we're like, no. I feel like... And then you notice that it went up and up and up and up and up again. And so now here we are riding $4, and I don't see any news stories about the outcry of gas prices. I say that to say this at, at, at some point in, in human history, uh, God's will for families was being done. There was a father. There was a mother, both honored God. Okay, we're talking old school, so we're talking nation of Israel, but he intended for that to pass into the new covenant as well. And, and, and the children were raised to honor their parents as unto the Lord. Somewhere along this human history, we got it in our heads as, as, the, as the downgrade of humanity and as the American culture has, has deteriorated we now accept broken families as acceptable. Now, please hear me when I say this. I am not, I am not, I am not condemning, nor is God condemning people who have already gotten a divorce. He's not condemning, he's not, I'm not, I'm not pushing down a judgment on those situations. What I'm saying is, is the institution of the family, the, the structure of the family, as God set it up, we have come to a place where we have accepted everything but as okay, and we need a radical shift in our thinking that says, this is what a family is because this is what God says it is, okay? I usually find that whatever God says something should be, it's usually the best way, okay? This is what, this is what a family is supposed to be, God says it's supposed to be, therefore, it's supposed to be. And in order to do that, okay, and this is why I love the, the title of that television show, Extreme Makeover Home Edition, because you and I need a radical shift in our thinking. Now, some of you will pray and cry out for your families and may not see them whole within, by the time you graduate high school. Okay? Okay. What you're going to take out of this more than anything else tonight is what is God's vision for a family? And once, once I've adopted that that is the structure, then that's what I'm going to aim my life towards when it comes to building my own. And that, and that generational curses from the past, whereas I've come from broken family, broken family, broken family, generational down the line, divorce, 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 or teen pregnancy, teen pregnancy, teen pregnancy, teen pregnancy, or whatever it is, Okay, in your family, that, that's actually going to break with you. You actually get to decide you are not your mother, you are not your father, and you actually get to decide the trajectory of your life based on how God becomes the center of yours. Now again, please don't hear judgment on your parents or on any family. That's not, what, that's not the heart of this message. What it is is we need a radical shift in our thinking because if it doesn't happen, if it doesn't happen, this land is not going to become whole. Before we can even get to extreme makeover, home edition, the second part of that. We've got to get past the first two levels, and that's extreme and makeover. Before you even translate what we're talking about home, you we have we have to, we have to have those two levels, those two elements working in our lives first. Let me put it this way. on the TV show of Extreme Makeover. You guys ever seen this show? Anybody ever seen this show? Man Alive. I don't think there's a more generous, affirming show ever on television. I think they did nine seasons. They, they, they built over 200 homes. That many families. If you've ever watched this show, then you know, bar none, every single time, the original home was completely demolished and a new one was built up. That's pretty extreme. Everything about their old life, gone. And a new one was built instead, in place of. The problem with the American church, and most people who call themselves Christians in America but aren't really part of the church is that they've become satisfied with the old, with no real desire to get the new. Think about this. In Revelation chapter 3, when John's writing to the Laodicean church, he says, here's your problem. You're not hot and you're not cold. You're lukewarm. Because of that, Jesus is literally going to spit you out of his mouth. Because you say you have need of nothing. Young person, this is us as well as the wider, gener- like just the wide church at whole. We say we have need of nothing, meaning I'm okay with my life. I'm going to fit Jesus into the pockets where I want him to fit, but not really enough to have a completely brand new structure of a life that, that is a testimony to the world that they could put on television and say, that's Jesus, Stick with me on this. If I'm going to build a new house, I actually have to build a new foundation. If I have to build a new house, that means I have to build a new foundation. And this is the first scripture I want to take us to tonight. If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, I want to take you to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter, ooh, am I lying to you? I might be lying to you. 1 Corinthians, actually, chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I'm starting in verse 10. Not going to spend a lot of time here. There's just one scripture that kind of pops out of the texture here. Paul's talking to the Corinthian church, and, he, and, and the context of the passage is actually talking about competition between who people thought their discipler was, or who people thought led them to Christ, or who they were following, and, and he's putting it to rest and basically says, listen, um, I'm nobody, the other guy's nobody, Christ is everything, okay? And, but he says this, by the grace of God, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it, but each should be careful how he builds. Do we have verse 11 there, buddy? Thank you. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. I want us to picture this for a second. You have a home. You have a house. We're going to call it your life. That home, like any other building, is built on a foundation. Whatever you've built on top of that is your life. How you talk to people, the things that you do, how you, what time you get up in the morning, uh, the, uh, what you engage in, who you interact with, Every, like, everything about your life is represented by this house. At some point in time, and most people in the room can attest to this or or else you wouldn't be here, okay, because uh, I find most young Christians have a hard time getting outside their comfort zone and coming to Generation Church uh, because it's like, it's not my home church, I'm not used to it. Okay, but most of you, most of you in the room had an encounter with Jesus at some point where something clicked inside of you that became real. So whether it was in a worship service with oceans and vessels, whew, uh, or um, or it was something at your home church, whatever it was, there was there was a definitive moment when something in you transferred from the head knowledge of yeah okay I'm supposed to believe in Jesus to something that like radically wrenched your heart and said oh my gosh this is for real everything has to change. And in that moment, oh, can we have that scripture? I need that I need that one just kind of staying up there because that one's got a burn in our in our minds here, okay? Burn, okay. In that moment when you received Jesus. In that moment when you received his grace for the first time, when you recognized his unconditional love, something supernatural actually happened. This is, this is incredible, and, it, and it's been blowing my mind. I've been studying this a lot lately. In that moment, the vessel of your body actually became a home of the Holy Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. So his spirit, the Spirit of God, actually came to live inside of you. Here's the problem-ish. It says, for no one can lay a foundation other than one which is already laid. So here you are. Here's your foundation. Here's your house. And here Jesus comes... As a foundation. Now here, <laughs> follow me on this. This, this is this, this, mind blown, okay? Here comes a new foundation, and, and, and I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, I know I want Jesus. I didn't know he would look like that. Why? He said, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. If his yoke is easy and his burden is light, why is a 30-ton hunk of uh, uh, concrete coming to smash down my house? I don't understand. That doesn't seem easy or light to me. Okay? But here here the foundation comes. What you and I do, especially in the American church, for some reason in third world countries, where they're like, I don't care about my life, it sucks anyway. (laughs) Kill it, all right? Um... (laughs) So the thing is, like, when you have nothing, when somebody offers you everything for nothing, you'll take it. But we're like, we've got a lot of somethings, so when somebody offers us everything, we're like, I got enough. So here comes the foundation, right? And and as it's coming down, as Jesus, he's already been made real because <laughs> the foundation's coming at you. Okay, <laughs> so here comes the foundation, and I'm thinking, okay. Before he gets here, okay, (laughs) before he gets here, where can I fit him? Kitchen? Mm -hmm. Bedroom? If I kind of, maybe if I kill that part of the roof and just maybe. The inherent problem with why your faith has not transferred home yet. How many of you... How many of you, either in your nuclear family at home or uh, in your wider family, just people you have a heart for are not saved? How many people have family members that are not saved? Okay. Don't Please don't hear. There's no condemnation or guilt for those found in Christ Jesus. Don't hear any condemnation on this. Truth, hopefully spoken in love. I'm really working on that. The reason that your homes have not become the God-honoring place that you and I both know that they're supposed to become is because if he belongs at the foundation and you haven't allowed him to go there and completely remake your life, you're trying to juggle two pieces you're holding on to your old self and how you used to relate to your family. And so here you come home from a great night at, a, at an OAV concert or, or uh, you know, listening to Jesus culture or hanging out with some of your godly friends or whatever. Like, I love my church. I love, I love the people. I, lo- I, like, I just love everything about it. And so that, that passion is great and your parents may or may not embrace it. That's a whole nother question. Come to my message next week because this is kind of a two-parter. But... If they don't see a change in you, why would, why, what, what, about, what about you as a Christian is gonna make them wanna become one? Because in some room of your house, okay, let's call it your living room, okay? Um, because this is where I hang out on the couch, and even though my mom told me to, uh, to take out, um, you know, to walk the dog or take out the trash or, or whatever, I'm born again. foundation's not there, are you? You should read the rest of that chapter. It's convicting. I'm born again. I recognize Jesus for who he is. I say he's Lord. <clears throat> read Matthew chapter 7 for that one. Um, I say he's Lord, but I'm not really willing to kind of give up the comfort of my living room, how I relate to my parents, how I dismiss them rather than honor and respect them. And so, because I'm trying to fit this foundation into some other place in my house, but I really don't, because I don't really want Jesus to wreck my whole house and build everything up again. Here's the thing. The irony about all this is this. If you allowed Jesus to really become the foundation of your life, and him build everything up from there, and you build with gold and silver and precious stones... One of those stones, one of those gold pillars, one of those silver structures is actually going to be an honor and respect that comes from the heart that is going to blow the minds of your parents and your relatives that you want to be saved and they're going to be like, man, what's with you? Because Christian or not, every human being on the planet loves to be honored. Christian or not, every human being on the planet loves to be respected and loved. Christian or not, every authority, mother, father, principal, teacher, Mm -hmm. policeman, congressman, every authority appreciates the acknowledgement of that office, of that position. But if Jesus is not my foundation, I'm going to continue to live that compromised life while trying to make him a piece of it. All the while, he belongs at the base. Guys, it's the only place in your house, in the house of your life, where he's going to actually fit. Has any of you ever had to go into your basement and actually lift up the foundation? No. Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. With Jesus, he always does the heavy lifting. Listen, Christian, you make the room for me, I'll build the rest. Mm. And that extreme part, that's the extreme part. That's the wiping away of the old. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, do we guys have that? 2 Corinthians 5.17? Oh, you didn't get that one. Okay. All right. I guess we'll have to go old school. (laughs) I can't believe we have to look it up. Just kidding. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. In my translation, that has gone is actually rendered has passed away. It, it, literally, it literally is the, it's, it's the, it's the image of um, here's something I was beholding and, and now I've passed it by and I don't go back to it. Seriously, like if you look up the Greek, that's what it literally means. So it's like when it says it's gone, it's just not like vanished. It's that I've actually intentionally gone by it. I'm done with it. If Christ becomes your foundation and you let him be the thing on which everything in your life rests. I love it that Paul said this. Paul said, this is a, this is a learned guy. He had basically the equivalent of a spiritual Ivy League education, okay? And he said, he said, I claim to know nothing except for Christ and him crucified. He boiled everything that he knew, everything that was in his brain boiled down to one finite point. I claim to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. O.A.V., those songs are perfect for tonight the issue the issue is the foundation stink let's take a look at this I love this in Isaiah we're going to go to Isaiah old school everybody loves Isaiah (laughs) thanks whoever that was we're in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 Many people know this, and actually this is quoted along, uh, oftentimes around Christmas time, uh, especially in tr- more traditional churches and denominations, because you'll often hear renditions of this uh, during Handel's Messiah. But it says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's hit the next uh, verse. Thank you. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Because of time, I'm just not going to go any further than that. Take a look at that. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So take a look at this. You allow Christ to put himself where he's supposed to put himself. Literally, the center of your heart and the foundation upon which everything else is built. And because of that, you've put him in a place to completely govern your life. You following so far? Stay with me. So he, like... He's the foundation. He's he's the thing on which everything else is built, which means everything that is built around that has to comply with with the structure of who he is in my life. So he becomes the governing influence of my life. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. I love it that it says government and peace. This is why. When Christ becomes the foundation of your life, when you walk home or when you walk into your house with Christ being the foundation of of, of your life, It says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end, meaning as long as he remains at the foundation of my life, because I know that he who began a good work in me will carry it on to the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And I want to get it, Philippians chapter 2. Ah, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So here's my foundation. Here's my government. Here's Jesus in my heart defining everything about how I'm building this life structure. As God is working in me, building all of this structure, and remember, this is a structure of light, of peace, of mercy. It says, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Here's the thing. You could have a completely uh, unsaved family. They could could have no desire of the things of the Lord whatsoever. And you could walk home and simply by your presence and what God is doing in your life, assuming Christ is the foundation, his government continues to increase in your life. And as, as it increases in your life, your light starts to shine and shine. Here's what I know about light. The brighter it shines, the less darkness there is around it. So as the light of your love and your mercy, uh, empowered and graced by Christ, moves throughout your house, as you share honor, even when honor is not given back to you, as you sow respect, even when you feel disrespected, as you return love for hate, as you just continue to wash his government into your house, the peace, do you see that? The government and the peace, they'll never stop increasing. It is only a matter of time before your entire family is saved. That is the answer to the cry of our hearts. So many people in this room, you don't have to raise your hand for this. I know it. I, I sense it. Pastor Alex has been broken over it. You want your families to be saved. Why? Because you know that once you cross through the veil into the other side of eternity, you want to be holding their hand when, you get, when you're standing face to face with Jesus. I know you want to share that moment with others. I know in your hearts, you don't want to do this alone, and you don't want to end up there <laughs> and be the only one who figured it out. Hmm. I want to hit one more for tonight, then we'll close. Matthew chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. Jesus said, this is the beginning of his... No, that was right. Can you go back to 14? Uh, Jesus, in the middle of his um, Sermon on the Mount, he says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Now you can go to the next one. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Guys, this is the identity of the Christian. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Do you understand? When Christ is the foundation and the sole governing source of your life, you will not be able to help but allow his light to shine in such a way that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. That the only explanation that could possibly come into their minds is that not only have, have you been transformed, but Jesus is for real. And that is a truth that cannot be rejected. Now please hear me, I I know the reality of the human condition. I'm gonna go through a few things. This may apply to some of you, may apply to all of you. I'm hoping to get to most people, but listen to this. Some parents don't know Jesus because they've had some really awful dealings with church people, or they've seen the hypocrisy that, that happens in church. We get it, okay? Maybe they were judged by a church at some point. Maybe they just, they turned off because they were just feeling pushed out the door anyway. Some of you desperately want to move into your next phase of development and life with Jesus. But part of the reason that you're hindered at this moment is because you haven't passed this test in your own home. Think about it this way. Most of you in this, you in this auditorium would tell me that you want your school campuses to be transformed for Christ. I think everybody would say that. I don't think you're going to be... Oh, please don't hear this i'm not taking away anybody that's destined to do great things for their school please hear please hear my heart on this if jesus is for real and i know that he is and he says things like if if i can trust you with a little then i'll give you authority over more but we can't be faithful with our christian walk just in our just in our house are you really going to walk in godly authority in a school full of 800 people Is he going to use you as an instrument of his grace and his mercy and his transformation if if, if I can't just be honorable when nobody else is looking? Some of you come from abusive situations. All I can say for right now because I can't get into it is this. Hurt people hurt people. Do you follow me on that? People only hurt other people because something inside of them is damaged. I'm not condoning the actions of people who abuse, whether that's physically, emotionally, spiritually, sexually. I'm not condoning that. What I am saying is, ultimately, I heard one of my young people say this tonight, ultimately, we're called to forgive no matter what um, transgression is inflicted upon us. This is where the Amish got it right. If you saw those shootings a few years back, um, it was like on some kind of Amish plantation. I couldn't even tell you where it was, but, but their response almost immediately, it was like a couple of days later, they, got, they, they were in front of a news crew and they said, you know what? We forgive him. I mean, shot and killed probably a dozen people. Is it easy? No. But it's what we're called to do. Last thing is this, and I want to pray for these in particular. Um, if you haven't heard of generational curses, I alluded to it briefly. What it typically means is this. If you look through your family tree from great-grandparents to grandparents to parents, um, and if you start to notice any trends, like the, the, my family's women are just all nuts, okay? Or, or, like, or, or all, all, all the guys on this side of the family are just really silent internal people. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. It's because likenesses... Generationally, um, some people I'm sure would argue genetically, but spiritually, generationally, get passed down from one to the next. Okay, good and bad. It's both. So um, if if you come from a, a family line where this is where these things have been, I want to pray. I want to pray the breaking of these things tonight. If you if you have been in a family line of um, where there's been abuse passed down generation to generation, okay. I'm not asking for raised hands, but I'm just like in, in your spirit, if this is something you recognize as a trend in your, in your family line, um, we're going to pray for you in a second. Uh, addiction, alcohol or drug, whatever, any kind of addiction, if there's, if there's been that kind of passed down, alcoholism, whatever it is, that's been passed down line to line, we're going to break that off of you tonight. Uh, promiscuity. This is a huge one, especially because I, I, you know, I don't know if you guys have seen this, but in, again, I'm not judging because I want to see, see this stuff broken over people's lives. Um, if, if you see, um, mom got pregnant at a young age, dad's not in the picture, um, uh, daughter grows up, has a daughter at a young age, okay? Like we're seeing that more and more, okay? If that's, if that's, if that's something that you kind of sense in your family limb, we're going to try to break that off of you tonight. Um, control. Mm. This can be on an, an either gender too, okay? Uh, if, if there's a spirit of control, like a, a parental authority has had to control uh, the, the sons or daughters in the family, or there, there's kind of an element, not just over, I'm not just talking overprotective. I'm talking like I have to own every single thing that you do, okay? Um, then we're gonna break that tonight. And the last one is this, and this came to me, you know, especially as I was praying today, anxiety. Anxiety. If there's a spirit of fear that needs to be broken, um, you know, that's been generally passed down. I want to, I want to, I want to get that tonight. So can we pray? Can we, can we get that? Um, can I get, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to ask this, uh, any youth leaders are, you know, on, uh, that are on, on, teams, my dream team, if you could, um, can you guys just kind of stand up and move to the sides here real quick? Um, And, uh, you know, any youth pastors, go ahead and stand up. Young people, I'm going to ask you right now, um, if you would please, and and please don't do this, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes, and sometimes people close their eyes, but then they kind of look around to see if anybody else has got their eyes open. Please don't do that, okay? Um, Everybody right now, just close your eyes, and uh, and I'm going to ask, okay? Listen, young people. all of these things, listen to this again, abuse, addiction, promiscuity, control, anxiety. If you see those as things that have kind of been passed down generationally, okay, something that's become a trend, but you want that broken off of your life, would you just raise your hand right now? It's just us. It's just youth leaders. We're going to keep it between um, us and you, okay? It's not, not a big deal, okay? So we're seeing you. Um, so uh, keep, keep your hands up just for a second. I want to make sure all the youth leaders just kind of see where you are. We're going to, we're going to pray over you, okay? Um, we're not going to single you out. Go ahead and put your hands down. Thank you. And everybody else, um, that's not just agree with these prayers right now, um, and uh, um, youth leaders, feel free to just kind of intercede if you're praying in the spirit. Go ahead and do that um, as we're as we're breaking this stuff off, uh, Father God. Um under under no under no authority uh, in man, God, under no authority that, that I have as, as just an empty vessel, God, except for the treasure and the light that you've placed inside of me. In the name of Jesus, I'm asking for your holy intervention right now. God, across, that, um uh, you know, the, the we know that there's scriptures that talk about uh, sins of the fathers being passed down um in the ownership of that from generation to generation, but God, your your loving kindness is everlasting. In fact, it's everlasting to everlasting. So in the name of Jesus, um that that perfect love. That does cover over or overwhelm a multitude of sins. I ask for a breaking of that in the name of Jesus right now. That whether uh, whether a young person is here tonight uh, with uh, with family uh, with family lines of abuse, addiction, promiscuity, control, and anxiety. God, we're just praying for your Holy Spirit right now that those things would end. They would they would fall off. They would they would be of the old creation. Uh, that as that as they move forward, God, that they would be free of those bondages. In fact, I'm seeing shackles come off of legs right now, God. I thank you for that. I thank you for that knowledge um, that where where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So be, we proclaim that freedom, God, over all of the young people tonight that have that have walked in a place of saying, Well, my mom did that, so I'm going to, or my dad did that, so of course I'm that's what I'm gonna um, fall into. God, we're we're gonna take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we're gonna say, No, um, Jesus, we're gonna seek your kingdom and your righteousness first, and then you will add all of these other things unto us. Um, so in the name of Jesus, we just proclaim the breaking and the freedom. Freedom from those bondages in Jesus' precious and powerful name. Anybody agreed with that? Said Amen. amen. All right, cool. Um, listen, I'm just gonna I'm gonna do this too. Uh, this will just be the last thing, and, and we're out of here. Um, parents, I'm sorry I ran, I ran over um, where I wanted to where I wanted to end up, but um, uh, but uh, but I hope I hope you guys were blessed by tonight. Um, if uh, if there's something about that element of the foundation. Uh, that resonated with you tonight. I believe in Jesus, but he didn't become my foundation. Like, I didn't allow my life to be entirely swept aside so that he could start at the bottom and then build me up from there. If that's, if that's you, I'm not gonna do an altar call right now. What I'm gonna ask you to do is this, because this is harder than an altar call. Uh, I'm gonna ask you to find your youth leader or somebody from your youth team uh, to confess that to, and just say, and, and, and specifically say, not only do I want him to be your foundation, um, I, I want your spiritual authority, whoever that person is, and please make sure they're more spiritually mature than you are, okay? Don't find a peer. Find a, find a, find a youth pastor or a leader. And, uh, and say, I want you to hold me to this. Like, I, I want Jesus to be the foundation because I do, I, I, I want my whole family saved. Like, I, like I, want, I want to radiate the grace and the presence and the light of Jesus um, because I'm not right now. In my, in, in my family, if somebody doesn't intervene, if Jesus doesn't intervene in my family's life, it's, it's not happening. It's going to break apart. So find a youth leader, find a youth team member uh, to, to confess that thing to. We good? Y'all good? You guys take a breath.